Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. It is time, though, to talk a little bit of Seahawks football. We go down to the Raggage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in our good buddy from The Athletic, covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, Mike Dugar. Mike, how are you, man? Great to be with you. Thanks for being here with us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Just got back from Charlotte. Hopefully that's uh, my last road trip of the year. Yeah, the couple uh, couple of home games to finish things out. Let's start with the game yesterday for the Seahawks. Uh, they were up big, twenty to seven. I think they were up by several scores, and then a couple of late touchdowns for Carolina started to throw this thing in a little bit of doubt. But ultimately, uh, Seattle goes on the road again to the East Coast. They've traveled so well this year, and they get a thirty twenty four win. And lo and behold, an upset loss by the Niners. They're back on top of the AFC in the NFC West. Yeah, now that everything went well for the Seahawks yesterday, man. Yeah, they won. That was the first thing. Seven and one on the road is really, really impressive, right? Because right. you think of like the dominant teams that the Seahawks have had in the past, and they didn't even, you know, go seven and one. Like it's just really hard to go on the road and win because yeah, everyone's good in this league. I mean, I mean, some teams like stink, like the record stink. The the Bengals, you know, the Dolphins or, or whatever, you know. But like any team can put up a fight on any given day. Like to beat a team, you just have to be better than them for an hour. You know, got to be better than them the whole season. Your coach doesn't have to be smarter for his whole, like, tenure. He just has to just have a good plan for an hour. And, you know, anybody can do that, you know. San Francisco just, just you know, got a big dose of that uh, yesterday. Uh, so for the Seahawks, you know, remain calm and poised. And, you know, I think they were probably better than every team they played on the road, except for mm, probably not better than the Niners. So, like, for them to come back 7-1 and one with a win over the Niners uh, included in that. Uh, is really impressive. Then, yeah, they got the help from the Cowboys, who I knew would beat the Rams. The Rams aren't good. Uh, and then, yeah, got some miraculous help from the Falcons. So, yeah, by the time these guys, they were feeling good already when they hopped on a plane in Charlotte. And by the time they landed, it was a party. No, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a great day for the Seahawks. 
Mike, thanks for being with us. Since we started doing this tour for the Twelves, we were kind of filling this team out the first five, six, seven games of the year. And then I remember we when they uh, when they lost to the Ravens, thinking, okay, well, that was kind of their first really good team that they had played. I guess second after the Saints, but we kind of didn't really know what to think. And now here they are, and they've won six out of seven, and they're an eleven win team, and they're into the playoffs. And I mean, at least in my mind, this team has exceeded expectations. What have been the key factors? How has Seattle been able to uh, sort of revamp and rebrand themselves like they have the last couple of years and then be at this point where they're into the playoffs and they're such a solid squad? Well, it's basically been like a, a two-act play so far. Like, the first half was clearly offense. Like, Russ was, like, going to run away with MVP. And then their offense just went, you know, to crap, you know, for like a good month there. And then the defense actually had been playing uh, pretty solid. They beat up on Philly. They, they, they scored a touchdown against... Uh, against San Francisco, you know, they, they had Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, in pretty decent check, you know, then they, they everyone laid an egg against the Rams, but that's, that's kind of what happens when these guys play the Rams, uh, and they figured it back out, you know, on Sunday by putting it all together, like, if this is like the third act here, if we're kind of including, you know, the, this postseason run, it was like offense for a little bit, the defense getting a ton of turnovers, like, they, even against the Rams, they got they got shellacked, and they turned the, they scored a defensive touchdown and forced two turnovers, so, I mean, the defense really like kind of held everything together. I'd say while the offense needed to figure itself out, you know, because the offense is all about being efficient, and these guys just cannot be efficient uh, without Tyler Lockett, you know, at, at full strength. And we saw what happened when he wasn't against San Fran, against Philly, against Minnesota. Uh, I don't even know if it mattered if he was against the Rams. Uh, you know, when Tyler is efficient and catching the ball, I think he caught all but one target yesterday, and that one was overthrown. So, like, when he's uh, operating at, like, peak efficiency and the defense is getting turnovers, this team's tough to beat. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it's tough to, to kind of decide what's a success. Right? Like, should they win the Super Bowl? Should they at least get there? Yeah, they got the one seed right now. Every one seed should expect to win the Super Bowl, I'd say. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, getting the one seed maybe exceeds what the previous expectations were. So, I don't know. This seems super tricky right now. Well, there's the, the next two weeks, and especially tonight even on Monday Night Football, are going to be huge because right now there's three teams at 11-3 and three in the NFC, and New Orleans with a win would be a fourth team at 11-3, and three, and so it would be a, 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 a real close race for the, for the top two seeds overall uh, heading into the last two weeks of the season. Mike, i got to ask you, though, uh, about the news on Josh Gordon today. Obviously, he had been picked up by the Seahawks, played yesterday. Uh, he has not been a guy that's been a huge part of the offense, but nonetheless, uh, you know, a guy who's been there and has been used and now is suspended indefinitely and you would think you know that's that's probably it for his NFL career what what effect if any though does this have on the Seahawks um if we're just talking about like on the field for the team I mean not not a ton I mean he was effective he had seven catches buck 39 uh no touchdowns you know I think all his touch all his catches went for first downs which is you know super good that's the name of the game on offense get first down so you can get Get touchdowns. That was get that big fifty-eight yarder on Sunday, uh, but they'll, they'll move on. I mean, they've got other guys. They've, they had other guys before when they were killing it. They got other guys now. They got Tyler Lockett operating. You know, again at you know peak efficiency. You know, and that's really more important than anything. And I think what the good thing was for the Seahawks getting Josh Gordon for that time is you know it didn't really hinder DK's development at all. They were they were both able to play together. DK was still able to look like a young stud, uh, and then. Even with Josh Gordon on the field, you know, Malik Turner managed to score a touchdown. David Moore managed to score a touchdown. Like, they were still moving the rock around to other guys, so it's not like, oh, Josh is off the, off the team, now what do we do? No, I think they're actually in, you know, really good shape. This doesn't change what I think of their chances of, like, 
going to the Super Bowl or winning the division or any of that. I mean, it sucks for Josh. I mean, if we want to take it away from football, I think this dude's been suspended, what, five, six, six times? So yeah. mm-hmm. Definite suspensions, uh, fewest suspensions for, like, entire seasons. I think in 2014 and 15, like, the dude's life's been a mess. I mean, that really does that really does uh, suck for him. I th- I, I, it's my understanding he's got a good support system uh, around him. So, I mean, hopefully he's leaning on them. But if the Seahawks will be fine. Uh, if Josh, I, who, who knows? Right? And that, that does suck. What was the reaction to that news? Uh, we, we just got through talking to Pete Carroll. He was kind of focused on the kind of what I just mentioned about what it means for Josh. Yeah, in terms of the team, they'll be fine. Like he knows that. He, like he said, they had seven receivers uh, active uh, on Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles would kill to have seven healthy uh, receivers right now. I think they had. I think they had like two uh, active on their Monday night game against the Giants. Uh, so yeah, they'll be fine. They have other guys, uh, you know, guys who haven't even gotten in the mix yet who could be contributors like. Like John Arsu or even guys like Jerron Brown with five touchdowns last year who was just kind of an afterthought once they brought uh, Josh Gordon in. Uh, but Pete was, was, was wise to really, like, bring up, like, look, I don't really care about the football part right now. You know, it sucks for things for Josh, you know, because, man, it's a dude's life. I forget how old he is, like 28. Um, so, I mean, he's just a year older than me, you know, and it, and it looks like his life is just going the wrong direction. So I can only imagine. Uh, so I... He said his heart goes out to Josh. You know, I got to express the, the, the same thing. It's, it is super, super sad. Mike Dugar joining us. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Athletic, and we talk with him uh, weekly here uh, on Tutel and Nuanas about the Seahawks. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Dugar. Uh, you can also listen to him on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Uh, you can search that out, and uh, it's the best information you're going to get. Let's talk about these next two weeks. I like how the, the 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 league does this, where they finish the last three weeks with basically a divisional round robin, uh, and uh, or, well, the last two weeks here in the case of the NFC West, but the Seahawks Seahawks will play the Cardinals and the 49ers on the last game of the season of the regular season against the 49ers, both in Seattle, where they actually have one more loss, as we talked about, than what they've got on the road this year. The Cardinals, though, it's kind of a must-win game, but Arizona's sneaky, pretty dangerous. Obviously, they get the win against Cleveland. Okay, what does that say? Uh, but this is one where, you know, you got to win the games you're supposed to win. This is one that Seattle is supposed to win, and then that sets up potentially a just monster matchup in the last week of the season. So where are you at on this, you know, the way this is shaping up the last two weeks? Uh, well, Arizona's not sneaky dangerous. They are dangerous. Yeah. Right, because they, every team has great players. Right, I don't care how many they have. They have them, right? And like I said earlier, you only need to be better than someone for an hour. Shoot, depending on how the game goes, you really might only need to be better than them for like 30, 40 minutes. And if the score gets out of hand, and then they could do. I think that's what happened with the Cowboys and the Rams uh, yesterday, although I admittedly didn't watch uh, a ton of that game, but the score seems to uh, reflect that sen- the sentiment. So, uh, I mean, Kyler Murray is a dangerous cat. I mean, with the running back yesterday, had four touchdowns. I mean, anybody who can score four touchdowns in a game, I don't care what position you play, uh, you're a dangerous cat, you know. So they have dangerous players. They have good players. Any team with good players can come in here and beat you. You know, so the Seahawks know that. Uh, I believe they've learned that lesson. If they haven't, oh, man, they are in trouble. Um, they they really, this, I don't want to call this a trap game because the Seahawks definitely have stuff to play for, uh, you know, beyond the Niners game. Like this game, Sunday, I guess the Cardinals matters a whole lot because now they can get the one seed. Uh, I believe they get in a three-way tie with Green Bay and New Orleans at 13-3. and Seattle is who gets the one seed. So and that's that's as much to play for as, as anything in this whole league is getting that one seed and not having to travel anymore. Uh, so, 
yeah, I think they need to be careful with Arizona. Man. It's it's not going to be easy. It, it, it will not be, you know. So, I mean, I still think the Seahawks will win because they should because they're better. Uh, but I, I wouldn't expect to walk in the park also. I mean, shoot, these guys just, they're addicted to, to one-possession games. My goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. you know it's going to be close on Sunday. Last question for you, Mike, and then we'll get out of here, but fast forward to the last week of the season, playing for potentially a division title and potentially then a one seed thereby. It was such an unbelievable game the first time around in San Francisco, really one of the games of the year in the entire league, overtime, taking it down to the very last play. Uh, what do you think, what, what does it look like when San Francisco comes into Seattle in Week 17? I think it'll have some, like, NFC title game type of vibes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it won't, it won't be a playoff game, but it'll be a playoff game. Because, I mean, if, if both teams win on Sunday, this Sunday, uh, which I think they will. I, I was doing some tiebreaker, like, numbers uh, the other day, trying to not the other day, yesterday, trying to figure out what happened if the Niners lost and some other stuff. If the Niners lost to the Rams, that is. And I thought to myself... The Niners about to kick the crap out of the Rams, so let me just you know <laughs> save this time and go make a sandwich or something. No, seriously, I mean the tiebreaker stuff is fun. The Niners are going to destroy the Rams. I don't even think it'll be close. Uh, the, the Rams aren't good. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't think they are. I think the Niners are really, really good. Um, but with that said, yeah, I think the Week 17 matchup will be prime time. Uh, I think they'll flex it in, and I think that uh, it'll it's going to have a playoff vibe because if it's for the uh, the one seed, like I think it'll be. You're looking at the difference between the one seed, right? Never having to travel unless you go to the Super Bowl. And you get a week off versus going to, like, Dallas six days later. Yeah. That is correct. That's your whole season. I don't care how good these teams are. I don't care if you're a 12-4 and four place uh, team. You're not going to win three road games to go to the Super Bowl. And you're not. You're just not. Uh, so that's you're basically playing for your season. You know, a week seventeen, if all things shape out, and that's why I think it'll be a playoff vibe because it essentially is. It is your you're fighting for your entire season on that night. Now I can't wait. Well, Mike, we appreciate you as always being here again. Mike Dugar uh, writes for the Athletic, covers the Seattle Seahawks at Mike Dugar. You can hear every Seahawks game all season long right here on one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. You got it, Mike Dugar. Always. Usually on Fridays around here, but Friday was a big day in the state yeah. of Montana last week, so we brought Mike in uh, on a Monday and uh, kind of looked back at the big win there for the Seattle Seahawks. Two-Tone and is 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We'll take a break. We'll come back. The legacy of the Montana Grizzlies football team in 2019. What is it? What do you think about it? How should we look at this? We'll try and get, talk through some of that stuff next. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, 
Visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The Montana Grizzlies uh, season comes to a close. The Montana State Bobcats move on to the national semifinals in football. Here's your 1029 ESPN Sports Center. The fifth-seeded Montana State Bobcats stuffed Austin P using a bruising offense led by sophomore tailback Isaiah Ifonse and a suffocating defense that did not allow a rushing yard on their way to a 24-10 win on Friday night in Bozeman. Ifonse scored a 60-yard touchdown on the third play of the game, ripped off a 38-yard gain to set up Kevin Cassis' touchdown catch and finished with an MSU playoff record 196 rush yards. The Bobcat defense rolled up four sacks and allowed zero rushing yards. Senior Derek Marks had three tackles for loss, including a sack strip that sealed Montana State's first berth in the semis of the FCS playoffs since 1985. MSU will play number one North Dakota State in Fargo on Saturday afternoon. Montana's season ended in Ogden, Utah Friday night. Third seed of Weaver State managed just 113 yards of total offense and eight first downs but still emerged with a 17-10 win on a snowy, then rainy night at Stewart Stadium. Montana senior quarterback Dalton Sneed threw five interceptions. Weber State's defense rolled up six sacks, including four by senior Adam Rodriguez, and the Wildcats blocked a punt in the Montana end zone. UM season ends at 10-4. Weber State in the semifinals for the first time in program history. Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Happy to be with you on this Friday, excuse me, Monday evening. Trying to fast forward. I'm about to tell you about Friday, though. Thanks for being with us. We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway, Missoula Highway 83, and Sealy Online at KurtzPolaris.com. Uh, you can find us on the World Wide Web as well, 1029ESPN.com. You can go there and listen live on the stream, the stream available all the time and it's there thanks to opportunity bank your local bank your opportunity uh before we get into some of this montana stuff i want to let you know friday friday it's gonna be fun coulter and i will be doing this show live from the Southgate mall believe me people i know it's december the 20th on friday and you don't have one present bought yet not one <laughs> do you <laughs> Absolutely not. So believe me, I'm using this as a catapult into my shopping uh, uh, foray for Christmas. And so I am. Uh, we're going to be there doing a show live four to six. We're going to stay an extra hour after the show to hang out with you. We got a bunch of stuff that we're giving away from various stores in the mall uh, uh, to uh, to listeners. So come on by the mall. We know that you got to get your Christmas shopping done for crying out loud. So Friday evening is a great night to do it. Four to six. We'll be on the air live. We're going to be right there at the clock, uh, kind of in the middle of uh, the intersection there uh, near the Cafe Dolce. Dolce? Dolce? Dolce. Dolce. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we'll be there uh, uh, next to the clock and all that stuff. So come on by on Friday and hang out with us. We'll have, we'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, Coulter, the Montana Grizzlies football season comes to a close. Uh, they finish the season 10-4. and four. They go to the national quarterfinals. Uh, and they 
it's so interesting how in a season like this, a lot, a lot of times seasons can be disappointments. Seasons can be huge uh, overachievements and, and just all-around successes. And some seasons just sort of hit the mark of, of expectations or whatever. I don't know that I can think of another season where I think it's easy to and relatively understandable to take a couple of very different views of this year for the Montana Grizzly football team and have them both be uh, legitimate. I mean, I don't think you have to say, oh, it was a great year, oh, it was a down year, there should have been, but whatever. I think there's there's multiple things here. We talked about this off the top. If you're going to talk about the the Grizzlies in the scope of the second year of the second Bobby Houck stanza, where they were when he took over, both in terms of the program itself and, and, and where how the team was built, to where they are now, they have exceeded expectations, and this, this senior class has been uh, outstanding in getting them to a point. I think this coaching staff has done a great job to get to 10 wins, a national quarterfinal, a bye, and a seed in the playoffs. Uh, and and so and I and that stands alone to me as true. Like this 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 team has come a long long ways from where it was two years ago. And I think Bobby Houck is, has and the staff have you know need to be commended for for that and the players as well because again it's a very different feel and type of program that is being run when you go from Bob Stitt to Bobby Houck. Also. <laughs> As this team started playing, they looked and were at times so utterly dominant. And then to lose to Montana State the way that they lost to Montana State, and then to lose on Friday the way they lost to Weber in a game that was a, it was a winnable football game. It was out there for them to be into a national semifinal, and it doesn't get done. There is a level, I think a significant level of disappointment about what could have or maybe even should have been this season. Now, the Montana State game, no. Like, they, they were not winning that football game. But you want to know what's interesting. Had they won that football game, Montana would have been the three seed, and they would have probably played Weber in Missoula. Like, this game, Friday, would have been at Washington Grizzly Stadium. And you know what? Just me. I don't think there's five interceptions thrown at Washington Grizzly Stadium on a Friday night in a quarterfinal game. You know, I don't think, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there's probably a plot punt for a touchdown. And even if there is, I just think this game goes completely differently. And so in, in a very, I think, direct way, Montana State contributed <laughs> through their win in the rivalry game to the ousting of Montana ultimately three weeks later in the quarterfinal. So I, I think those are both... I, all of that gets mixed in together when I think about this team this season where the Montana Grizzly football program is at. Montana was revered, respected, and also loathed and hated. I don't think that's actually that much different now, but I think that there was a certain level of arrogance, fair or not, that was attached to the Montana football program, and I think it's something that dissipated, and I don't mean that in a good way. And I think that's one of the number one things you can point to is the effort that they play with, the edge that they play with. The evil empire is back. Bobby Houck is Darth Vader. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be the common enemy for literally every person that's in the Big Sky Conference, his own team included. Mm -hmm. It's a brilliant mental tactic if you can navigate it full force consistently without ever breaking. And I mean... 
in my nine years of covering him, I've never seen him break yet. So I guess I, I should say I, seven full seasons of covering Coach Al. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he knows what he's doing, and he's got the attitude and the edge back, and that's noticeable. But I think that what you said is exactly spot on. This season, watching the FCS, covering the FCS, watching the Big Sky, covering the Big Sky, there's only been one, there's been two moments where I thought anybody other than North Coast State or James Massey win the national championship, and that was both when Montana was playing at its best. And that's no offense to the Cats, and the Cats are obviously, at this exact moment, how can you say they're not a, a notch up from the Grizz? Well, I want, I want to talk about that very I mean, they're in the semifinals. Well. They've right. won four straight Cat Grizz games. They have a much more solid foundation to their program. There's I think they no, have a very real look on Saturday, too. I, I do, too. I do, too. They have like a 12% chance of beating North Dakota mm. State, which is... Which, I think you're low. <laughs> I think that's the highest percentage chance I've given anybody to beat this <laughs> yeah, in mean, eight fair. years. That's fair. The, <laughs> I just I don't think you can beat North Dakota State playing their own game. I thought Montana would have had a better chance against NDSU just because you can play an opposite-style game. Montana, when they're rolling, can literally beat anybody because the 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 system is momentum based, and that's what I want to know. How you go f- forward from here? We got a glimpse of Cam Humphrey. He's very good. He took for three hundred plus yards against Portland State. I thought he looked excellent against Portland State. Yep. Looked good against Eastern Washington. Solid, you know, operating the game plan. Looked terrible against Idaho. Got benched. Cam uh, Don Seath comes in. Here nor there, though. The entire style that Montana plays on both sides of the ball is because of Dalton Sneed. He's the point guard. He can push the tempo. He can make the whole thing go. He's not scared to take 40 shots in a game. He can make all the throws. He can make throws that that very few big side quarterbacks I've ever covered can make. And that gives you a huge advantage, but also you have to play a certain style. So I just want to know, you spent two years cultivating the style around this kid, but also around some of the other exceptional skilled players that they have. Where do you go from here, though? What do you do moving forward? Because... You can get away with so many of the risks that they take on both sides of the ball when you have Dalton Sneed and Dante Olsen. Those guys are mistake erasers. They can do so many things that most players at this level can't do. So I'm just so interested to see if they can continue to, because it's not like it's a plug-and-play system right now. The stuff that Montana was doing, Bobby Hawk's first tenure, it was plug-and-play. You can just find another running back. And is he going to be as good as Lex Hillard? I don't know. But he can produce just like Lex Hillard as long as you recruit on the offensive line at the same level. You know, there's so many different places where the the next guy up at inside linebacker used to be different than what it is now. The, the things they do with Dante Olsen is just so broad. Right. And Jace Lewis is a great player. I, was, I just don't know if he... I, uh, I'm not even going to say I don't know. He can't. No one can. No one can do what Dante Olsen can do. That's he true. plays gap to gap to gap. I mean, it's silly, the scheme that they built for him. Here's the thing, though. This happens, I mean, this ha- this is the nature of college football. Oh, it totally guys is. roll through and graduate, and you have all but do you know what I'm saying about the Do you know what I'm saying about the styles, though? Yeah, I do. And, and, and like I, right now, Montana State, you can you you lost Tyrone Fondono, Tucker Yates, and... And uh, Zach Wright. Yeah. And you just put new guys in those spots, right. and they're just as productive because of the system. This system, it's so built around the stars. I just don't know if you, especially on defense, I don't know if you could run the same stuff without Dante Olsen. But here's the thing. I, I don't know that they want to. That's, I mean, that, maybe that's they it. do or maybe they don't, but I think that Bobby Houck and the staff did a really good job 
of building a system that they had to build given the people that were here and that were good, you know, the seniors, juniors and seniors that they inherited to play to their strengths. And it's probably not the system that Bobby Houck, when he goes to sleep at night and dreams about the perfect style of football that he wants to implement, that it's this. Uh, even though they they were outstanding with it to the point of being the number six team in the nation when it was all said and done and going to uh, you know the, the national quarterfinals. So that, that uh, evolution... I think just takes on another thing. And look, in a sport that now, you know, it used to be Coulter, what is your identity? Who are you going to be? And there's teams that are like that and that do that. And and you need to be that. I mean, certainly, uh, I would say both of these teams have, Montana and Montana say, have an identity about what they do. But also, every single week, you build a whole new game plan for whoever your opponent is, and you certainly, you know, got to have the things that you do and that are, that are clutch to who you are. But... I don't think it just has to be uh, uh, as rigid as that when you go, especially from one year to the next year. I mean, who knows who's going to transfer? Who? What do we know that Bobby Howe's going to do? He's going to get some drop-down guys. He's going to get some transfers. He's going to have some kids that are young kids playing up, and it's going to be a full competition. And there's plenty of guys who are still on the roster right now that we're getting playing time, a lot of it this year, that may well not be playing very much last next year you know and who knows where those guys are going to come from i mean adam eastwood was the starting running back the guy on this team a year ago there was nobody else behind him as far as we could tell this year i mean he, what do you have five carries in the season or something i mean he he, he, he was down the list and who knows what is going to happen at at lieback is dante olsen coming through those doors next year Absolutely not. Why? Because nobody is. Dante Olson. But somebody's going to be there, and yeah. they're going to have, I think, uh, you know, I think they have a chance to be excellent on their defensive line, yeah. improved in the secondary potentially. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I think that this is just a reality of what it is to be a college football team. Yeah, I, I'm so interested to see because, again, the first seven-year tender under Coach Hawk, they were running so much more simplistic schemes. It, it was all about just being bigger, stronger, and tougher than yeah, you. Yeah. Straight up. It's not about like all this crazy stuff. Like Craig Pulse's defense is, I mean, my brother used to say, there's one call. <laughs> you're running base, and you're just playing hard. Yeah. How are you going to get to the passer? That guy's going to win. How are you going to stop the run? That guy's going to win. That's it. And so I just I wonder how they adjust, but I, I do think that and that's they will. what they want to get to probably, uh, uh, probably again, right? Yeah, totally. They can. Uh, I, I also think that one thing that has gone I think undertold, and I think that Coach Houck and his staff, for that matter, deserve a ton of credit for, is that Bobby Houck was it, it is way more flexible than he was back then. He was so rigid back then. You could be though, because you had so much talent, but. Now, I mean, they did build the scheme. I mean, th- the defense has evolved to mitigate for the fact that they got two receivers playing corner, that they got a bunch of tweeners playing safety that are all good players. But like, what is Josh Sanders' true position? Yeah, there is no true position for a five foot eight, one hundred and fifty five pound guy in Robbie Hogg, and they made one for him. He's an all league player, right? So th- they deserve exponential amount of credit for that for being flexible. But the other thing is, I'm just so interested to see Coach Hogg's program is a developmental program. It was never about who's walking through the door. It's about who's coming back from winter conditioning, and you're like, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thought they were going to be able to recruit another Andy Pedic or another Tim Bush. 
And then they got some skinny kid from CMR named Mike Murphy who was 210 pounds in a laughing stock early and then has 12 and a half sacks off the bench as a sophomore. You're like, whoa. And all of a sudden, he's got 40 sacks by the time his career's done. No one ever thought. Like, Croy Bierman was, like, laughable how much of a tweener he was. He, he couldn't play any position. He was the stiff, robotic, slow outside linebacker. And then going into his sophomore year, he comes back, he weighs 255 pounds, and you're like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, he goes and wins the Buck Buchanan Award. So yeah. developing those guys, it's but it's I think it's easier than plug them into a more simple system. So we'll see how they adjust. I really think that's going to be really fascinating. But, you know, I think you're right. This Analyzing this Montana season and where this program is at is so interesting because I think that they were the first ones that believed that they were going to be better than everybody thought. And it only took about three weeks for us to say, wow, okay, they are way better than we thought, yep. too. I just don't know where you go from here, though, because on one hand, you could honestly say, this was a giant missed opportunity because you're not going to have. I mean, Dalton Sneed, he's, with, he's with the exception so of Craig good. Oaks, yeah. is the best quarterback Bobby Houck has ever brought to Montana. Yeah. And I know his career ended in lackluster fashion, but to, and it's, it's really unfortunate the injuries Montana suffered down the stretch, too, yeah. because it, let's say they really do have Sammy Akim and Samari Torre going in the playoffs. Right. You're scared. By the way, that catch on Friday night from Torre. To get him to the three to set up the one touchdown. So good. Oh my goodness! What what a grab uh, that was. To tell New Orleans on it on ESPN Radio. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport. Easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. The other thing I think that this Montana team has to, and I know Coach Alk will, but the narrative of the lines improving, in my personal opinion, was overblown. Because I thought that certainly the lines were better than they were Bobby Houck year one. But when they played anybody with good defensive or offensive lines, they got completely and utterly exploited. I mean, they, they got overrun. Friday, they got overrun November 23rd. And engaging it against an Eastern team that lost 28 seniors or an Idaho team that just pretty much flat quit or an Idaho State team that now, in retrospect, was just terrible. Not good, yeah. And a UC Davis team that didn't seem to have much initiative for the second half of the season, really. You're, you're Montana. I hope your lines look better than those teams always. Yeah. You have to get to where you're on par and not getting exploited by Weber State and Montana State. Yeah. And, and the like. And, and Sacramento State. It, uh, absolutely. Sac- mm-hmm. Sacramento State dominated Montana yeah. in the trenches. And I do think they have some pieces to build on. But I think the offensive line still needs another influx, another punch. Are you? I mean, 
Are you really going to get a second-team All-League performance from the next center? I don't know. I mean, Cy Summer played above his pay grade more than anybody on the team this year. Mm. And I just think you have to... You have to get to the point where you don't have guys where the other team can game plan and say, okay, we're attacking this guy, and the dominoes will fall behind him. But, I mean, they've lost games in the last two years because of just being able to line up an elite pass rusher over their tackles. Gangbusters. Here's the other part of this, Coulter, though, that I think that is is also a significant part of the perspective that we have uh, or that, that could be had of Montana. And that is that definitively at this moment, Montana State is the better program. They weren't just the better team in one game one particular week. And sure, if you play that game, you know, 10 times, you know, both teams are going to win some of those games. But they are the team that beat Montana last year, knocking Montana out of the playoffs entirely, and they punched their ticket to go to the playoffs. This year, same thing happens in dominant fashion. They both go to the playoffs, both have a bye, but one team is going to the national semifinal and the other team is done. And during Bobby Houck's entire tenure the first time through, Montana was never close to behind Montana State when it came to who was the better program in the state. And that's such a big deal in the state of Montana. And... Look, somebody, I, I guess they could both be equal, roughly, basically equal. And heck, I mean, they're about as close as you could get to being equal in terms of the the, the, the numbers of being five and six. They had the same identical record at the end of the season. They were five and six in terms of their seed in the playoffs. But one team went further and the other, and, and also won and is now 4-0 oh under Jeff Choate in the rivalry game. But Grizz supporters would argue that Montana played a tougher schedule in the regular season. They had a tougher draw in the playoffs. And this is year two instead of year four under a coach. I can see I see certain validity in all three of those arguments. I I see validity in the last argument, but tougher schedule, whatever, whatever. Montana got blown out by Montana State. I mean, Absolutely. played off the field by the Cats, and then Montana State is the team that is now in the Final Four. So, you know, in terms of just objectively where they are, Montana State is on top of Montana right now, and. I think that is something that also makes that loss so disappointing on Friday because it was, a, a, again, a, a game. The game itself is one that could have gone either way. You know, it wasn't a game that, you know, if you, it, it wasn't just a, quote, tip your cap to the opponent type of deal like Austin P had to do with Montana State where they just got beat down by the better team. That did not happen on Saturday, on Friday, excuse me. And so to have had the opportunity to be in the national semifinal and not make it there, and then for Montana State to make it there, it just becomes that much more stark, I guess, is, the, is all I'm saying. That said, what we don't know about who's going to play quarterback next year for Montana, who's going to fill in at linebacker, who's going to be the nose tackle now that Jesse Sims is gone, who's going to be you know, the, uh, you know, on down the line, who's going to punt return for you after one of the most dynamic punt returners that the, the program's ever had, Jerry Louis McGee, finishes his career. All those questions, or ones like them, get asked every single year. And they get answered one way or another every single year. Sometimes for better, sometimes for not. But the program in general seems to me to be headed in the right direction from a football standpoint. And I, for one, anticipate Montana, first of all, being very good again next year. And 
And that, well, that's the thing, though. They should be very good every year. Right. But, I mean, what is very good if you're them? All I'm saying is if you're if you're actually operating under the... If this is a salary cap sport, but you're the team that's allowed to spend the most money in the salary cap league, you four losses is too many, period. I don't disagree with you. But, again, we're talking... We are still talking about this in the view of a quote-unquote rebuild, right? Or at least a brand-new direction... I mean, you're the one who was just sitting here defending like, the whole thing. No, I mean, I, it's just so hard to say you, you ever have to rebuild anything when you inherit a program that has Dante Olsen, Samari Torre, and Sammy Kemp. Three of the most talented players in the country. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and Secure, am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Not going to the playoffs three years in a row. I mean, again, a rebuild. There's a lot of teams who'd kill to be seven and six or whatever. You know, six and five. But that is that is that's a rebuild at Montana at that point. It just is. And also, again, it's the style. That's, you talk about Jeff Choate coming in, and was he he was five and six his first year, four and seven, four and, seven. and then five and six year two after. The winningest coach, as you said, in Montana State history. Why? Well, partly, significantly. I mean, he said, you know, things were more broken than I even thought when I oh, took the and job. They absolutely were, and and that's fine. But all I'm saying is, when you are going in an utterly different direction in everything that you're doing, culture, style of football, type of player, all that stuff, like it takes time. Even if you have quote unquote talent, you said who who was more talented. Than Montana State in Jeff Choate's first year in in places in spots, and they were a losing football team. They were a four and seven club. Montana, they've been better than that the first two years. And so, if people want to compare Jeff Choate's first two years and and Bobby Houck's first two years, okay. But I don't know that that's apples to apples. I'm just saying right now, as it stands, one team's left playing, and so that is something that I think plays into the psyche of this. And until Montana, first of all, wins head-to-head again uh, at whatever time that would be. I mean, presumably in the next hundred years it will happen. Uh, and also, uh, uh, at some point, exceeds the final destination, whatever that is, the final resting point of Montana State in a season in total. Um, it is a It is something that most Montana fans are not familiar with. The I, I guess the thing that I it gives me pause is just that in a developmental program, the most developmental positions are on the lines, and 
look at this offensive line at Montana State right now. Taylor Tuiasasopo and Lewis Kidd are both fourth-year juniors who are three-year starters. Yep. Zach Red and Connor Wood are third-year sophomores who are two-year starters. They'll be in the exact same position as those guys were. And Mitch Brott started his hello 50th straight game. Seems All like of lot. those guys were thrown to the wolves as redshirt freshmen. And even when they were taking their lumps, you could see the potential. That's the thing that worries me about Montana's offensive line is they don't have the young, at least as of right now, they did not have the first two years the young talent that you could throw to the Wolves and hope that they could develop rapidly. Instead, they're just piecemealing it together, moving guys from defense like Cy Sermon. You know, I mean, think about their line, even the, the last year under Bob Stitt when they had Cooper Sprunk, former tight end, Mike Ralston, former DN. I mean, they haven't actually recruited and developed an offensive lineman, save, I guess, Conlon Beaver at this point, you could say, is definitely a guy that has made... Incremental strides, at least, but he's and he was a second team all league guy this year, so you can't you can't hate on his performance too much. But they're just not quite the dominant guys. You could just see in Taylor Tuiasasopo that he was going to be a dominant player early. But also, just like you said, Coulter, what happens when you go to a winter conditioning and show up in the spring and all of a sudden it's a revolution? I mean, you talk about you talk about you know Colton Kynes, Dylan Cook, Trevor Wellnell. Uh, a, a bunch. Uh, I mean, they have a ton of sophomore redshirt freshman players who I don't know who's going to develop out of those guys. Yeah, but it's the mentality. Prove me wrong. I hope any of those guys. That, I mean, prove me wrong. But like, they they're not the dogs that those MSU guys were. Uh, Lewis Kidd had to learn how to be a dog, and that was his biggest flaw for his first couple years. But like Taylor Tuiasasobo, he had straight snap punch. You could see it. Mitch Brott, you could see it. I watched these guys practice. Like they have big frames. I just don't know if they got that inside of them. Think of the, the, why is Moses Mallory good? Because he loves it. His, his 330-pound frame is way down the list as far as why he's good. He's good because he's mean. Yeah. He's good because he's competitive. He's got the snap. I, 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 I want to see it out of the younger guys, and Dylan Cook showed it a little bit at times, and that's impressive for a guy that's been playing offensive line for nine months, but... All I'm saying is they still have Montana still has a long, long way to go on both the offensive and defensive fronts. Perfect example of a, what I'm trying to say is Alex Governor. He is right now good enough to play, and you can see what he could and probably will be. That's yeah. the they need to find a bunch of him, a bunch of guys like that who has redshirt freshmen are flashing all the time. And you're like, man, when this guy's a, a junior and a senior, he's going to be a, an All-American type guy. They get, a, they need to get a bunch of those guys on both lines. Also, they need a bunch of guys who don't flash, and you go, why in the world are you here? And then they turn out to win the buck. Because they've done that, too. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Take a quick break. It's Monday night, people. Big Monday night football game. Colts, Saints. Doesn't sound big? Well, it does sound big because it is big. It's going to be a great game. We'll talk about that just a little bit. And also, quick look ahead to the national semifinals. Stu telling the one. Hey, December is winter prep month at Shine Auto Detailing. The roads, salts, and sands wreak havoc on the paint and finish of your ride. Protect your car or truck from the harsh winter elements by having a premium exterior detail, which includes a ceramic coating final finish. When spring comes around, simply drive your car th- uh, through the car wash and it'll look like it's been fresh, freshly waxed. If you care about your ride, protect it from the winter. This week only at Shine Auto Detailing, you get 50 bucks off when you call to schedule. Or you can just search online, Auto Detailing in Missoula. Pick the one with over a hundred five-star reviews. Schedule online at shineautodetailing.net.
Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 